Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hello, good evening and welcome to this week's Man on the Post podcast. Uh, my name is Chris. With me for a brief time, we've got Mark. Evening. And we've got Laura coming back. Hello. And hopefully at some point we're going to get Joe. Um, he might still be arguing with Everton fans on Twitter though. Um, this week we should be discussing, Laura's had quite a busy week. Um, we'll be talking about the Premier League matches as well, uh, a few bits of news from around Europe and around the country, and then some Premier League predictions. But I think, first of all, if we start with you, Laura, you published, well, you've published. you had this piece up on your WordPress account for a while, haven't you? This is your account of the day of Hillsborough. You lived near, when you, when you were 10, certainly, you, you lived near the ground itself, didn't you? Um, yeah, well, my mum and dad still live there, so, yeah, it's about... 15 minutes walk from the ground. So basically, this was your take on the day. You were 10 years old. Uh, you saw the fans walking to the ground. Obviously, you saw on TV what happened. And then you saw what happened on uh, on the way back. And you, your family invited fans in to call home and, um, and offer sort of cups of tea and drinks, that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, in the aftermath, my parents were sort of fetching people in off the street, all the people that are sort of parked around around us, as they do on every match day. Um, and my dad was out on the street sort of pulling people in, and my mum was making endless cups of tea, just making sure that everybody was all right. And it was, it's well, it was a horrific day. It was horrible. Um, Two things struck me reading that. Mm-hmm. First of all, you're 10. You're, you're old enough to know what's kind of get a good idea of what's happened but you don't quite really know at that age how to really deal with it both in the company of adults and sort of really under sort of fully comprehend the enormity of what's happened although you realize something bad has but also as a as a first person account of documenting the day i think that is more or less one of the most interesting pieces i've ever read as a as a historical document of more than anything else it's absolutely fascinating to read well, you don't often get to hear from the Sheffielders. I think you hear from the Liverpool fans, you hear about the police, you hear sometimes, not very often actually, from Forest fans. But there were plenty of Sheffielders who were working at the ground, <laughs> Wednesday fans who had gone because it was at Hillsborough, and then there was the residents around the area who were sort of coping with with the outspill. Uh, from the ground after it had all happened. So Sheffielders are very much involved in that story, but you don't you don't hear from them because they don't really talk about it. It's not something that is very uh, that is not discussed a great deal. Yeah. So, what's your week been like this week then? What's, so it's been hectic because <laughs> I didn't expect I didn't expect the article to go as viral as it did. Um, it, like you said, it's been up on my site for uh, two years now, but I republished it with it being the 25th anniversary. Um, and it got picked up by The Guardian, it got picked up by The Times, uh, and then the BBC World Service picked it up and asked me whether I would go on to Alan Green's uh, World Football podcast uh, and talk about the article and the story itself. So I've been and done that this morning at Broadcasting House. So where and when do we see that? Uh, it's going to be out tomorrow, I believe. 
um, they do a week of podcast and it's going to be on that tomorrow. Excellent. Did you, you, I think Joe's you're with us now, aren't you, Joe? I am, yeah. Sorry about that. That's all right. Have you, either of you two, read this piece? Uh, I have done, actually, yeah. Um, the reason that I didn't I didn't post anything about it on social media or anything is uh, because I really wanted to say that it, it, it were a fantastic piece on here. Um, obviously, being from roughly around the same area as yourself, Laura, mm. um, it sort of brings up images in my head of the sort of house you're in and the sort of streets you're talking about and 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 how real that is and it really sort of struck a chord with me it's it's yeah i think anybody who knows sort of around the ground and sort of like you said the houses it's very residential around hillsborough so you can't help but be involved in the match day because there are so many people around you all the time sort of parking up and getting out of the car and you can feel that sort of intensity about it it's it's quite an experience on any match day um but that day was particularly vivid in my in my memory i think the other thing i've noticed from it is it it brings it brought a human aspect to it you talk about the 96 as a collective uh you talk about the liverpool fans as a collective but you're talking about individual people the guy that tried to start a fight with your dad and the individual people coming in and and you taking them cups of tea and the conversations you had with him it made it seem um it made the mass event seem very sort of individual and, and human. Well, it was. It, it was in 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 the grand scheme of things. Mine's a very small story, but it's still a story that me and my family share and that we still remember. And it's still very raw because me and my dad had a conversation the other uh, the other night on on Tuesday actually after I'd published it and I'd been talking to him about the reaction to it. And both of us ended up in tears on the phone. It's just still something that when I think about how proud I am of my parents and the things that they did that day and and the strength it must have taken um, to sort of try and put these vulnerable people a little bit back together in order to get them to sort of contact their families and tell them that they weren't dead. It's It still staggers me how how strong that they both had to be. Mm. Uh, okay, well, thanks for sharing that with us. No problem. Um, we're going to move on to Premier League football then. Um, Tuesday was Arsenal versus West Ham, but obviously scored two as Arsenal won 3 1. Uh, Drew got an, a, a rather tasty goal, actually. That's, I did like the touch he took for, the, for that one. Uh, and Matt Jarvis as well, very honest Matt Jarvis who stayed on his feet maybe when he, others, including Gary Neville, think he should have taken a dive. Um, did anybody see this or seen the goals or any of the action at all? Deathly silence. <laughs> Tumbled, I, saw the, I saw the highlights of it. Good, excellent, there you go. <laughs> if that counts. <laughs> yeah, it's good enough for me. Um, to talk about the diving or not diving incident to start off with, um, I think it's it should be applauded, not criticise the fact that Matt Jarvis didn't go down um, I think there's, the, uh, as is well documented there's far too much of that in football these days and I think that when someone does the right thing that should be praised not sort of said ooh but he could have won a penalty um, I think that's the wrong way of, of going about things What yeah. exactly did Gary Neville say? Oh he said something about you know if you want to make your nan proud then he did the right thing if you want to win a football match he's done the wrong thing 
Interesting. Yeah, I've read something from Gary Neville as well. I don't know if it was at the, he said it at the same time or whether it's sort of on the back of that. That um, he's saying that England players are gonna are gonna have to learn how to dive if they want to do well at the World Cup. Well, they don't have to learn; they already do. <laughs> most, yeah, most of them. A lot of the time, the biggest culprits in the Premier League at diving are not um, the usual suspects or the foreign players. It's the it's the English players who who seem to be better versed at putting themselves on the floor and making it look semi convincing. Yeah, but they, they've been taught by the dirty foreigners, haven't they? Well, that's true, but you know we've we've started to master the art now. You know we're not as honest as we think we are anymore. When Mike Lowe went down in the World Cup in '98 for that penalty, the thought was he's being clever because that's what they all do. Yeah, it's all right if we're doing it, yeah. but in in that in that arena, um, I, I'm not so keen on it. If it's somebody from my club doing it, I, I tend to. I tend to shun it if if I see you know there's been a few times this season for example I've seen Barkley throw himself on the floor looking for a free kick or a penalty and I've kind of you know it's turned me and I've said you know come on get up and whatever but when it's England it always seems a bit different doesn't it we always seem to say go on it's only against the blooming French or whoever and we seem to accept it a lot easier if it's for England. I don't really mind it all that much because every player cheats to some extent. Honest central defenders, they didn't stick their hand in the air if the ball goes off their shin and the ref gives a goal kick or something. Same with goalkeepers. I think diving is just an extension. We talked about this previously, didn't we? I don't think diving is a massive difference from that. It's all about seeking an unfair advantage, isn't it? It is, and of course there was a big incident in the game on Sunday, wasn't there? Liverpool-Man City. Mr Suarez up to his old tricks. Uh, Yeah, but you say that as if he's kind of... I mean... There's been many times this season when he should have had a penalty and didn't. Stamford Bridge, he should have had one. Yeah, uh, well, OK, he, he's gone down easy, but if he was genuinely clipped and if he was genuine, genuinely hurt and he's trying to gain a, an advantage, uh, y- yes, we know people dive, but it's everything else that goes with it that really is the turn-off. And the way he rolled around and, you know, did breakdancing moves and all these kind of things, that just that extra embellishment that's completely not needed... Mm. That's that that's that's probably potentially what sticks in the throat more than the actual diving. So David Lewis last year at Old Trafford when he went down, clutched his face and then removed his hand and had a little smile. There wasn't a little bit of you that was tittering. Um, no, because I, th- you know, you, you would have thought that somebody would have then s- sought retribution very soon after. I would have if I'd been on the field. Oh yeah, I would have done. But I mean, you know, I did. It's all just pantomime and fun in a way, isn't it? There was a shocking one at Hillsborough on Saturday. Um, Rudy Casted went down in the box. Uh, he sort of jumped over the, uh, Lewis Buxton's leg and then fell down about 20 minutes after he'd done it <laughs> in the penalty box. And he got some right hammer. <laughs> from the this, fans. Is, this is championship level, so they're obviously not good, as good at diving. Same no, it's <laughs> Watson standard diving that. I saw someone get a second yellow for my local village team for diving. Really? Yeah. Wow. You imagine that. This is just like, it's more or less part level. <laughs> in fact, I played five. I used to play a five-a-side league and someone dived against me. I was absolutely outraged. And all it is is just sort of messing about. It just makes you want to kick them even more later on in the game. Oh, yeah, definitely. But, I mean, I don't have a, a big problem with it. Everyone seeks an advantage, either fairly or unfairly, don't they, for their team. 
I think whatever, it's just going to be part and parcel of the game. We're going to be having this debate again in 50 yeah. years' time. It's just... It's not going to go away. So. I think what we're all we're all a little bit under, or the media, for example, is a little bit under the misconception that diving or trying to gain a free kick, for example, by by making the most of any contact, is something relatively new to the, say the Premier League era, and particularly the influx of foreign players. I've watched a lot of old match of the days on YouTube or on the television for many many years, and actually there was a fair bit of diving. And play acting and all the rest of it has been going on way, way back in Franny the history Lee. of English football. Yeah, Franny Lee's an obvious uh, and uh, you know well-known example, but there's lots more examples than that of of people just throwing themselves on the floor and getting soft free kicks. It's just we make such a much a much bigger deal out of it now, and we can we can see it much easier in the TV and media coverage that also um, exacerbates it and and. and amplifies the whole thing a lot more. I don't think it's limited to football. I mean, I think if every sportsman wants to seek an advantage, don't they? It's, you know, not walking at cricket or, or um, you know, deliberately being offside in rugby or something like that. Everyone tries to seek a, an advantage for their team. You don't see masses in the Masters, though, do you, taking a dive? <laughs> <laughs> I, think, I think in other sports, the retribution, either from the official or player-on-player, is, a, is meted out a lot more fairly. So, you know, in rugby or in ice hockey, if something's gone on, then there is a way of levelling it up. Whereas in football, I think a lot of the frustration grows because mm. you can't really level it up anymore. Whether you actually ever could is, is debatable, but you certainly can't level up any perceived injustice like you can in other sports. Okay, okay. Um, right, well, just to keep you in a happy mood, Mark, we're going to talk about Everton Crystal Palace. Get in. <laughs> Everton 2, Crystal Palace 3. Uh, the goal yeah. machine that Stephen Naismith couldn't quite do it, could he? No, I watched it, I watched it on a dodgy internet stream while I was away, so um, I did get to see it. Hmm? I said, who uh, misses? Yeah, it was the only thing I was watching on a dodgy internet stream. <laughs> I, I promise. You're too busy being James Bond to look at Phil, aren't yeah. you? Yeah. <laughs> so is your Champions League dream over? No, not really. I mean, I think a lot of people were just... Uh, when Everton have suffered a defeat um, this season, I'm I thinking back to the Sunderland Boxing Day game, it came immediately after a very big high, and it's the same as we've gone on the seven-game winning streak, and then it feels like a real kick in the guts to lose this game against you know, a Palace team who deserved to win. You know, They played really, really well, and they're on a, on a good bit of form themselves. Um, but it, it just felt like a, you know we've it, the bubble was properly you know, pricked with a pin last night. But actually, we're still only a point behind Arsenal. Can you trust Arsenal to, to not drop points, even against these teams who allegedly have got nothing to play for in the last four games? Potentially not. Everton have got some harder fixtures. So I don't think it's out of the question that we, we, we can't finish fourth. I think it makes it a lot harder not getting at least a point last night. Oh, you've, um, you've got... United at home, which I think you could win. Mm. Southampton away, which is also winnable. Man City at home, which I think you always do well at. And Hull away, last game of the season, which is the week before yeah. the, you know, they're going to be waiting for the cup final. Arsenal have got Hull away, Newcastle home, West Brom home, Norwich away. Those last two games, if they're still in the relegation fight, could be pretty tricky for Arsenal. Well, exactly, and and Arsenal could be saving legs for the cup final come that final game of the season. Um, they've got a fairly lengthy injury list, so. It's still possible, I think, not getting any points last night made it harder. Mm. But even if we don't make it, we've had a brilliant season. Um, 
a lot of people were saying we were going to struggle and this, that, and the other. Um, but actually, you know, we deserve to be where we are. And, you know, if we get fourth, we'll fully deserve it, you know. It's by no means over. You're only a point behind, aren't you? Well, that's it, yeah. I think everybody was just getting maybe a little bit carried away. And we just didn't play very well last night. And to be honest, we've in the, in this seven-game winning streak, we beat Fulham, probably didn't deserve to. We beat Swansea, certainly didn't deserve to. We beat Cardiff with a last-minute spawny goal by Seamus Coleman. Probably a little bit, well, we probably just about deserved to, but... You know, so we've been a bit, little bit lucky, and I think people might have forgotten about that in a few of the other games. I was at the Sunderland Everton game on, on Saturday, and although we won and we played some really good football, we could easily have dropped two points there as well. So, you know, I think a little bit of perspective is needed. I think everybody just got a bit carried away, really. A Palace safe? Definitely. Yeah. Yeah, we all think that. Okay. Um, also, Wednesday night was. Uh, Manchester City to Sunderland too. I um, uh, I was I wasn't watching the game. I was kind of I had to do something else, unfortunately. So I was following it on um, the laptop, and just as Sunderland went ahead and the final whistle was blowing, I got Spotify on and Scorpions "Wind of Change" came on. Which I thought was quite <laughs> classic, quite apt and appropriate. Maybe you're I talk, thought you're talking my era now. Yeah, <laughs> I thought how appropriate. Um, a City out of this then. Or have they still got every chance? For me, they're they're out of it now. Yeah, I think that um, that possibly Chelsea are in the ascendancy now. I think all the pressures on Liverpool to lose it. I think Man City have got far too much to do now, and I think Chelsea could sort of capitalise on that. Mm. I tweeted a um, a video of what I think the Liverpool Chelsea game next week will be, uh, and the video was of the rumble in the jungle. Liverpool are going to be George Foreman, come out all guns blazing, pounding and pounding, and Chelsea are just going to rope a dope for um, 75 minutes, score a goal on the break, and then defend. <laughs> Classic Chelsea. Yeah, that's how I think it'll be. Um, Chelsea have got Atletico in between, though, twice, haven't they, in their fixtures? Yeah, they have. So they've got that to think about. I've, I don't know about you guys, but I kind of get the feeling that Mourinho's been prioritising the Champions League all season. And, you know, this all, all this little horse nonsense and we're the outsiders and so on about the league. The league, it see, I just get the feeling that the, the league is not what he, in his own mind, is his priority. I think he wants to win the Champions League and stick two fingers up to Real Madrid. That's kind of the impression I get from him. Well, not only stick two fingers up at Real Madrid, but there's also the fact that Roberto Di Matteo has won the Champions League with Chelsea mm. and Jose Mourinho hasn't. Mm. So uh, he's probably wanting to maybe right a few wrongs in his eyes there as well. Yeah. Hmm. It was a bit of a howler there, wasn't it? By uh, Minoni. <laughs> yeah, not for the first time this season. No. I've seen two great goalkeeping howlers in real life. One was Sheffield Wednesday when the keeper took an air shot. You keep bringing this up. I did. Well, the other game was the first ever game I went to. It was um, Nottingham Forest versus Manchester City. Gary Crosby. Does anyone remember this? Oh, yeah. Uh, Andy Dibble, I think it was, the Man City keeper, catches the ball, has it in one hand and thinks that all the Forest players are gone, and out behind him pops Gary Crosby, heads it out of his hand, and scores. And she mass riot both on and off the pitch, and I thought, I like this football game. It's um, good fun. Um, Sunderland, are they dead now? Um, 
I think so. A, a few weeks back, when they had the games in hand, and they, they kind of made a little bit of a push, didn't they? Around the time they were in the League Cup final, they looked like they were picking up. Then Poyet started picking strange teams, and as I say, I went to see them play Everton on Saturday, and for the first half, they might as well not bother being there. You know, they just didn't look like a team who were in any kind of uh, desperate situation and trying to get out of it. Um, I, I can't, I can't see them getting out of it now. No, I they're, can't either. they're so far behind now, aren't they? I mean, they're on 26 points mm-hmm. uh, and Norwich are on 32. We were just outside of the relegation zone. So that's, with their fixtures, they're just not going to do it. They just don't score. The problem all seasons is they don't score enough goals. And if, uh, without, especially if they've got without Fletcher, even with him, they weren't doing great. But it's if ridiculous. he's not playing... They've they've got Connor Wickham on the bench, and Poyer's already decided that he he doesn't think that he's good enough. He comes off the bench and scores two goals for him last night when they've desperately been needing some firepower up from. I, I don't. I, I've never rated him at all. Wickham. I, I didn't see the game last night, like, but um, I've never I've never understood where the big price tag came from and and so on. And and the, the game on Saturday was completely anonymous. But. He, I, being a Wednesday fan, and I know this is a league below, and this isn't Premier League, but he's still only what twenty. Mm, he's not very like old. He's he's got a lot more strength, certainly uh, in his second loan spell with us. He he's a strong, strong player, and he's intelligent. And have you seen some of his tweets? Well, that. There's a difference between football intelligence and yeah. <laughs> being able to spell spell your own name and so on. Intelligent with your feet. Oh right, okay. Yeah. Let me where his brains are then. <laughs> but even if he's a good player, I think it's not just whether they've got somebody up front. It's they just don't create enough. You know, that's the that's the problem. If they're not creating, they're never going to score. And right now, it, that's what they need to do, and they're not going to do it. Well. I mean, Laura's new friend, Amy Lawrence, on the Football Weekly podcast for The Guardian, she was talking about um, momentum this week and teams having momentum and how it can help a team both psychologically and, and physically on the pitch. If Conor Wickham's been scoring for Sheffield Wednesday this season, he's, all, he's a guy in form, he's got momentum. It makes sense to pick him for Sunderland, doesn't it? Well, there was the uh, there was the loan spell with Leeds in between where he didn't score a goal. Oh, right, OK. So... But I kind of get that impression from Conor Wickham. I mean, his first loan spell at Hillsborough weren't exactly brilliant. And they came back, scored a few goals and looked like a different player. At Leeds, again, weren't exactly brilliant. And for since he's gone back to Sunderland as well. But I think a few goals, classic cliche for any striker. And it sort of maybe perks him up a little bit. I think again, that's to do with service, though, because at Wednesday he got um, he got the sort of nippy wingers where he was getting quite a lot of service. He wasn't getting that at Leeds, and he wasn't there long enough to sort of fit into their team. And like you said, with Sunderland, he doesn't have the service. So you can't blame the lad for being being up front and not scoring goals if if he's having to come back and collect the ball himself. In in fairness to him, I was also at the Sunderland-Everton game, um, and he was making a lot of runs off the ball, uh, trying to get in behind or across the back line. Um, which resulted in a fair few uh, frustrated words with his teammates when the ball didn't come through. Mm. Um, so I think I think I think the ability is there, but like you say, maybe maybe uh, his teammates around him need to help him out a little bit more. Colin from the Sunday Show has tweeted uh, and wants to know if he thinks this is the most exciting Premier League 
season ever, both at the top and the bottom of the league. I think it's possibly the most unpredictable Premier League. Yeah. Um, I mean, would anyone at the start of the season have guessed where Manchester United would be? Would anyone have guessed Liverpool on a top with four games left? Would anyone have guessed Everton pushing for the top four? Um, I think I think it's been a season of of unpredictability. Hmm. Yeah, with the most change up at the top. It's not just dominated by Man U and Chelsea. Yeah, it's it's nice to shuffle it up a little bit, I suppose. Nothing, nothing's kind of already finalised and sorted at this stage. There's still so many issues still to resolve, isn't there, between now and the and the end of the season. And and, and most seasons, you kind of already know who the champions are going to be, who the top four are going to be, and at least maybe two of the relegation places are. And right now, you know, you couldn't call any of these things. No. Okay. Um, moving on to other news. Uh, did anybody see the Copa del Rey final last night? Barcelona uh, one Real Madrid two. And Gareth Bale's goal. So his goal. What did you think? Quite nice, wasn't it? It was quite nice. Yeah, lovely. The way he got sort of skipped over. I don't know which Barcelona play it was. He just sort of skipped over him from the halfway line and just kept running. Well, he, he got barged out of play and still managed to run round him and. Yeah come back into play and score still be faster than him as well he went sort of three mile out of his direction and and still managed to get to the ball before the Barcelona played it so yeah um other news as well we've got uh Luton are promoted after Cambridge United lost 2-0 to Kidderminster I've always had the feeling that Luton shouldn't be down there at all um the 30 point deduction they had when they were league two I think was an absolute scandal their MD has said that it's been a wrongful prison sentence that they've been released from. Um, also in the news, we've got Aston Villa suspended assistants, uh, Ian Culverhouse and Gary Carza, following, by the sounds of it, a, a breakdown of, of uh, relationships with Paul Lambert and also the fact that Culverhouse is, he takes charge of training sessions and they think there's some kind of quote-unquote poisonous atmosphere going on. Um, so I think most people believe that they've gone and Shea Given and Gordon Cowns have come in. Uh, and also, Cardiff City believe that their, their result against Crystal Palace shouldn't have stood. They think that uh, either the team sheet was leaked or um, somebody at the, cl- at the club found Cardiff City's team sheet by unscrupulous means. Did anybody see this? Uh, what they're saying is that somebody's, somebody's text, haven't they, one of the players, mm. uh, and they, they've given out the They've given the team sheet out. And for some reason, Doogie Freeman's involved in it. He's sort of been the snitch. <laughs> yeah, apparently he's friends with Solskjaer, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, with, yeah, with Solskjaer, sorry. And uh, and uh, and he's he's the one who sort of brought it all to light because he got the text by accident off this source. Um, obviously clicked on the wrong person in his phone and sent Dougie, team, Dougie Freeman the team news. Uh. Um, it's interesting as well that uh, Magat, the Fulham manager, has, has come out recently and said that he thinks this is perfectly fine. Well, that's because he's not his team, is it? Well, yeah. yeah. Discussion, though, about it, weren't they, on Match of the Day? Did you see that? Sorry? I, I didn't know. Uh, they, they were just saying, it's rife. It's been happening for years. It's, footballers talk to each other. And especially the disgruntled ones that have been dropped from the team... 
go out, go and tell other players that they've uh, that they're upset and who's playing. So it's, I'm not sure it's as big a deal as Cardiff are making out. It is. No. It's not. And it's not like you know Palace don't know who the Cardiff players are either, and they're going to take a fair guess at which eleven are going to play and what formation it's going to be. They've still got to go out there and beat them. Mm, exactly. Yeah. Um, and also, Andrea Pirlo, he's having his autobiography serialised. Uh, he's talking about uh, whatever Gennaro Gattuso said at Milan U did. Uh, he talked about his Penenka penalty against England and how he never, he didn't really decide to do it until the last minute because he saw Joe Hart moving across his line so much. Um, he nearly joined Barcelona. He nearly joined Chelsea. And I'm glad he didn't because I'd, I'd, I'd be loath to hate such a player for playing for Chelsea. Uh, but he also talked about playing for Italy and he, his pride of playing for Italy as well. Um, and he can't understand some players that didn't make the most of their talent. Take someone like Antonio Cassano, he says. He says he's stacked with 700 women in his time, but he doesn't get picked for Italy anymore. Deep down, can he really be happy? If Joe or Mark, if you stuck with 700 women but had never played for England, would you be happy? <laughs> I'm not dropping my numbers for anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Plus, anyway, Cassano... <laughs> Cassano had a bit of heart trouble, didn't he? So maybe he's not quite so happy sleeping with 700 women, as you might imagine. Did you, did you read what Cassano wrote in his autobiography about that? No. He said, I've slept with 600 to 700 women. It was easier in Madrid because you could invite them to your hotel. One waiter was my friend. After the sex, he'd bring me four croissants and I'd swap them for the girl. <laughs> <laughs> So at least I know how much a woman's worth now. Full question. <laughs> but only if it's got like butter and jam on. If they're dry croissants. <laughs> well, the woman or the croissant. <laughs> either, either. Um, I'll just say that I went to the England under-18s match the other night. Mm. Um, did anyone see the score or who they were playing or take any interest in it whatsoever? I didn't even know it was on, sorry. Oh, <laughs> Yeah, they uh, they played Germany under 18s. Oh, right, okay. At Rotherham's New York Stadium. Uh and one two one. Did they? Yes. Uh which was which was great, not only for beating Germany obviously and seeing uh, them the Germany the Germany players actually looked like they'd just lost a World Cup final when the when the final whistle went. They all fell to the floor holding their heads. Um so they're probably not welcome back in their country. Uh but does that mean they have to get the suffer the ignominy of having to stay in Rotherham? <laughs> <laughs> hey, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. Yeah, um, that's the hometown you're talking about, Mark. <laughs> two on one here. <laughs> um, I'm staying out of this one. Two, two, two on one is that a chapter in Cassano's book? <laughs> <laughs> Followed by some pano chocolates. <laughs> <laughs> Um, going back to the game, uh, <laughs> there were some really, really bright England youngsters. Um, I was really impressed with a couple of them, um, and I think I think if Premier League teams or the teams at the play folks, they weren't all Premier League teams, um, don't stagnate them too much and maybe help them develop instead of waiting for them to be a complete player. I think I think the future doesn't look too bad at least. Who was playing, Joe? Um, I don't know if there'd be anyone you've heard of because there weren't really anyone I'd heard of apart from my football manager. Mm. Um, but there was a lad from Tottenham called Nathan Adua, um, 
a forward, and he were, he were fantastic. He was like a good Wilfred Zahar. Poor Wilfred Zahar. There was a centre-back from MK Dons called something Galloway. I can't remember his first name. Um, but he was absolutely fantastic. He was brilliant. Um, but apparently he's only played twice for MK Dons, which I find crazy that they can't find that they've got better centre halves than him. Um, and there was a winger from Liverpool as well, Ryan Kent, um, and he he was really really good, skillful, tricky player. So I think I think if they get the chances and maybe get loaned out early, in regards to them pushing them into the first team, I think I think the future looks all right. Obviously, the danger is that we never well that I never hear or see these players again. Mm. Well, we got humped a few years ago in the under-20, I think it was the World Cup or the Euros, didn't we? We played Germany. They absolutely trounced us. And that team, that Germany team, had Neuer, Ozil, um, and a few others in as well, haven't they, that made the grade. So hopefully, that's a good sign for us. Yeah, I think uh, I think there were there were a lot of positives to take out of it. Um, Germany only had really one chance the whole game, um, and they scored it, whereas England seemed to have four, five, six chances. Um, and we left it late on to get two goals, but all count, don't they? Yeah. Well, hopefully we, we would, it's a spring ball for something or you'll end up like the news this week that reported on the, the Chelsea player, the youth player, that's never going to likely to play for the first team that's on 20 grand a week. Which Who's can't that? Be, I, can't, I think he, I, he... He had a Scandinavian name, I think. I can't remember his name. Um, but... Castrum. Like Castrum, yeah. Maybe it was Winston Bogard. Still there after all mm. these years. Uh, basically, what this is for anybody listening for the first time, um, we work our way through the forthcoming Premier League fixtures, uh, and we decide not so much the score, but we decide whether it's be a win, loss, and a draw, and and for whom, and we get a point per one that we're correct. And we're doing this throughout the podcast. Mark is in the lead. He's got sixty-seven correct predictions so far. Emma has 62, and I've got 59, mainly due to the fact that I never ever predicted a Liverpool win. I think if I had done, it would be miles ahead. Um, so first up this week is Tottenham versus Fulham. That's the early kickoff on Saturday. So what do you think, Mark? Um, can Fulham keep it going against the Tottenham side? You, you just don't know what Tottenham's going to turn up, do you? Um, I still can't see Fulham winning, though, so I'll go for Tottenham. You have Tottenham. Okay. Joe and Laura? How are we doing this, Laura? Are we discussing it or are we going to take in turns? <laughs> oh, strategy. no idea. Strategy. Strategy. Well, you don't want to take strategy from me. I'm rubbish at this. <laughs> I'm not much better, trust me. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know. I I think Mark's right, is that you never know which Spurs are going to turn up. But I can't see them losing at home to Fulham. You see, there's disagreements already. Oh, I... You think they're going to win, do you? You think they're going to win? Well, there'll be no hope, will he? Because he can't play against his parent club. Mm. Go on then, Laura. We'll go with you. Oh. <laughs> on your head. Taking a lead from me. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I'm going to go for a draw. I think Fulham. I think Tottenham at home. Yeah, they can be something. For a draw, Joe. Yeah, <laughs> it's a middle ground. I don't like sitting on the fence, Laura. <laughs> I think Tottenham got something at home, but I think Fulham have got a bit of momentum behind them. Um, Aston Villa, Southampton. What do you think, guys? Joe and Laura? Um, I think Southampton. Yeah, I think I agree there. Villa at home are pretty poor, aren't they? 
And with all the troubles they're having. I was just thinking the same. In the background, if they've got no coaching staff and there's a bit of hostility between... Well, Shay Given and Gordon Cowan's are coaching at the moment. Exactly, so if you've got no coaching staff... Sorry? Somebody's turned into a dog. That's my my dog. (laughs) That's his second appearance on the podcast. He made an appearance a few months ago and he came barging into the room chewing a squeaky toy. (laughs) Bloody thing. Um, so you th- so you both think Southampton, do you? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Mark? Oh, I'm going to go with a draw. I think Southampton might be... Uh, uh, th- who did they lose to at the weekend? Was it Cardiff? Yeah. Um, maybe they're on the beach, so let's go for a draw. Okay. I think Southampton. I think, this, uh, I think Pochettino's on a potential Tottenham job interview for the next four games. Oh, yeah. So I'm going to go Southampton as well. Well, that and the fact that some Southampton players wanted to get on the plane for England as well. So, um, yeah. Cardiff versus Stoke. This is one for the purists, isn't it? No leak in the team sheet. No. Uh, Stoke. Stoke have actually had a decent, half decent season, haven't they? Really, the last and certainly the last few weeks they've done all right. But maybe they've just another team with very little to play for. Cardiff have so, I might. Go for a Cardiff win, actually. Yeah, actually, I think you persuaded me. What do you think, guys? Um, that might be a draw. Yeah, I'm, I'm, yeah, can't pick a winner out of them two. No, okay. Newcastle Swansea. I think are Swansea safe. I think they're more or less no, are, aren't they? Well, they're just above it. They're only about three points, three points above the drop. And they couldn't be playing a better team than Newcastle to mm. try and get the final win you need to stay up, really. Well, their goal difference is minus five, Swansea's is. Fulham, who are 18th, is minus 40. So, mm. you know, this is three points, but it's more or less four, I suppose. Newcastle are garbage, so... <laughs> yeah, but that's the media's fault, isn't it? Did you see that headline? <laughs> Sunday, yeah, in the back of the Sunday Sun. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> They've been terrible, so I'm going to go Swansea. Okay. What do you think, guys? Yeah, I think I've got to agree. Yeah, I think I do as well. Yeah, I do as well. I'm not entirely... Wow. I think they've only won two or so, haven't they, Swansea? I don't know. I'm going to go Newcastle. But they've got something to play for, Swansea, and Newcastle haven't really, have they? I saw Newcastle against Manu as well a couple of weeks ago, and and like I said, there were no point in them being there. Oh, I'll go Swansea then. I feel like like (laughs) that guy in the fast show that changes his mind all the while. <laughs> Remember, uh, if Remy doesn't play, Newcastle don't score. That's true. He still out. Where do they get goals from? That's true. Um, well, Remy will be back at QPR next season when we when we get promoted. Um, you mean the, <laughs> the Arsenal part of QPR? Yeah. <laughs> It'll be in London playing football. Let's put it that way. Uh, West Ham Crystal Palace. <sighs> this will be a feisty little affair, isn't it? Yeah. Um, I'll go for a draw. Yeah. What do you think, guys? I think a draw as well, possibly. Laura? Just looking, West Ham are only three points behind Palace. So they, they're, it's very close between them, isn't it? Mid-table hmm. clash. Mid-table, yeah. end of the season clash. There's a local derby, is it? Yeah. Uh, in London. It's in London. Back there, London. Mm. Yeah, go on then. Let's go for a draw. You go for a draw. I'm going to go for a Palace win. I think. 
might be out of desperation for trying to just claw some points back for myself than anything else. Uh, Chelsea Sunderland. Can anybody make a, cha- a case for Sunderland? Chelsea got Champions League this week. Maybe they're resting players. Sunderland feel that, you know, maybe should have got more on Wednesday night. Oh, let's face it. Chelsea's D team is better than Sunderland, surely. Exactly. They've got a lad that they're not playing worth 20 grand a week. So, um... I, I think Chelsea will win, but I don't think I don't think they'll run away with it. I think it might be like one nil, yeah. something like that. Yeah, mm. they'll do the minimum required. Okay, I'm gonna go Chelsea. Are you gonna go Chelsea as well, guys? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Uh, Sunday's early kickoff is Norwich versus Liverpool. Now, Colin again has also he's he's been bombarding me tonight. Um, he wants to. He's pointing out the fact there's ever been such a sort of change of mind about managers. Last season, some Liverpool fans were calling for Brendan Rodgers to go. This season, uh, he's obviously done what he's done. Are people maybe being judging... I'm thinking about Moyes, and so is he when he mentioned this. You know, Are they judging Moyes a, a season too early at United? Definitely. Moyes has taken over something of a mess at Manchester United. OK, Ferguson won the league last year, but there's a lot of, um, a lot of uh, remodelling of that squad that needed doing even before Ferguson left. And Rodgers had the same situation. When he took over at Liverpool from Dalgleish, they were a mess. And it takes at least a year. And he, to be to be fair to the guy, he's probably got where Liverpool are now, ahead of even where he thought mm. um, he would have had them. So, yeah, you you have to give a good, a good manager. And everybody assumed Rodgers was going to be a good manager after what he'd done at Swansea and that. You've got to give him time to turn it around. You can't just be sacking three managers a year. Um, you know, so I think United have to at least do the same for Moyes and give him another year and see what happens after that. Okay. And then Sunday, what do you think? Norwich, Liverpool? Uh, Norwich, nil. Suarez, six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Um, guys, what do you think? Norwich. Sorry? Poor old Norwich. They're Poor old Norwich indeed. Just are the top four. Yeah. I personally think for sacking Chris Hewitt they deserve to lose every game 10-0. This is only because they embarrassed you, isn't it? It's not just because they embarrassed me, although it does play a part. It's uh, it's because of the fact that I was so happy that they not sacked him um, and now they've just ruined everything. Oh, you're like a, a woman scorned then, are you? You are, sorry? You're like a woman scorned. Yeah, I am, yeah. I feel betrayed by uh, Delia Smith. Do you? Right, OK. So you're going to go for a Liverpool win as well? Yeah, if that's all right with Laura. <laughs> that's fine by me. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. <laughs> well, I think Emma will be quite she happy. She has Norwich ha- hate on here anyway. Emma does. Emma gets it from the Norwich fans. <laughs> I think she's quite happy with that. I think she, she's quite happy in the fact that Norwich is where Norwich is and she lives where she lives and there's a great deal of land between the two of them. So they'll never ever find her. Well, I'm just going to put a token poor old Norwich in there. Okay, that'll get edited out, don't worry. <laughs> I used to live in Norwich, so I always keep an eye out for their scores. They're a fairly inoffensive team, I find. I always used to manage them on Championship Manager 0001 because you've got a very, virtually no chance of getting sacked. <laughs> so I've got a soft spot for them as well. Um, although having said that, I'm going to go for I'm going to go for a draw, I think, because. <laughs> Come on, man! No, just once. No, 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 no. Controversial. Well, the reason being, part of the fact I've, I've just if they if Liverpool do lose or draw, and I put it a win, it'd be my fault. But secondly, I think Sunday took an awful lot out of Liverpool. Um, 
And I just wonder whether, you know, it both emotionally and, and you saw that at the end of the game and physically as well, they were absolutely knackered. And I wonder whether they, they can reach that same level of, of intensity week in, week out. I think it's 10 games in a row they've won. I do wonder whether they can keep it going. And maybe something like this where they think is a walk in the park, they might sort of get caught short on. Have you watched Norwich's defence this season? <laughs> yes, I, I have, I have. I've also watched Liverpool's as well. Yeah. And as much as I do love Daniel Agger, I think, you know, I don't think he's what he was. Nor are any of us. No, no one is the man they they once were, I suppose. Um, Speak the... for yourself. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I was getting philosophical. Do you, do you prefer the croissants these days, Chris? <laughs> yeah. Antonio is very gentle with me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Hull versus Arsenal. I think being at home, I think Hull could do this. You know, wouldn't be a surprise. Hull, Hull have given a lot of the good teams a good game at home, and they'll probably want to put a marker down for the cup final, won't they? Yeah. Plus, they play is, their strikers. Plus, they can play their strikers. Yeah, but I think this is also a chance for um, any Hull player wanting to impress Steve Bruce. What get, what better way than playing against the team you're playing in the final? Mm. Yeah. Having said that, I think Arsenal, now they've got the scent of fourth back in their nostrils, will get... I think it'll be a draw. I think it'll be a draw. OK. What do you think, guys? Are they going to do it for Yorkshire? They're not in Yorkshire. It's a pretend Yorkshire. <laughs> well, they were until 1974. No, they are now. They are well, now. they're back now again, aren't they? East Yorkshire. They're no longer Humberside. Do you not recognise East Yorkshire? No. No, that's a false Yorkshire. <laughs> You'll be dead in the ground before you recognise it. Well, if I ignore Hull, that makes Wednesday uh, the top Yorkshire team in the country. So, really, it's a good enough reason. Mm. Well, I didn't see. I didn't see Sheffield Wednesday at Wembley last week. Oh. Yeah, but then we didn't bottle it either. Well, was there a little bit of you that did kind of think, do it for Sheffield? Sheffield no. Or were you definitely cheering for Hull, were you? Definitely cheering for Hull. See, I don't, yeah. I don't get it. What are you doing as well, Joe, were you? Yeah, when Stephen Quinn scored that goal against United, that was just, that was, that was like <laughs> joy to my eyes. I don't get that. There must be, I can't believe there wasn't a little bit of you that thought, you know, this is a, a Sheffield thing, let's cheer them on. No, but you're one of these strange people who has multiple teams. That's true. He's also probably one of these people who, when he was younger and a, and a girlfriend like cheated on him and that, he, he'd be like, oh, let's let's stay friends and all this. <laughs> but you were like that as well, weren't you? Have I ever told you my girlfriend cheating on me story? No, but no. I feel like is you're going to. <laughs> is it sad? It is quite sad. I was at uni at the time and it was the playoffs in 1996. Leicester City were in the playoffs. So I watched it. And in the crowd was my girlfriend snuggling up very close to somebody else. I saw her on TV with somebody oh. else. Oh, uh, that's harsh. I know. Broke my heart. Have you got a message for her if she's listening? Call me, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and bring croissants. And bring croissants. <laughs> and your sister. <laughs> uh, what do you two think, guys? Arsenal, Paul, what do you think? Uh, I think... They'll be sick of the sights of each other very soon, so I think this might be a draw. Yeah, okie dokie. And Everton, Manchester United, what do you think, Mark? You know, I, I was going to say a draw, but I think 
one thing that we've done very well this season is when we've had a uh, had a disappointment as we picked ourselves up big time, and because it's Moyes' first time back, and the players and the crowd are going to be up for it, I think we might sneak it. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I think you're going to win as well. Uh, yeah, Everton need the points more than Man U do. Everton for me, yeah, definitely. I think uh, I think Moyes might uh, bottle it at his old club. Mm. And uh, United got anybody apart from Welbeck up front that's fit? Fernandez? Don't no. think they have at the moment. Well, the big two, you know, Van Persie's still injured, isn't he? And I think Rooney is he now out for the rest of the season? Yeah, it's splinted his toe or whatever he's down to. Yeah, that's not so... a bad thing. As long as he's fine for the World Cup. You know, Welbeck does run around a lot, but you know he hasn't got the, he hasn't he's not great quality, and you know Matt is a good player in that. Uh, but I feel a lot happier with 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 neither of those two playing. So I think we might actually sneak it. I bet Manuel wishing they not loaned Frederico Makeda out to Birmingham City. Is there anybody he hasn't played for in <laughs> that division? Yeah, he hasn't played for us yet. Yeah, no, he hasn't sucked yeah. that low. That's why I said yeah, just in case. Yeah. There's always time. Uh, and Monday night is Manchester City West Brom. Are we all confident in Manchester City, or could West Brom do something? Well, if Sunderland can, mm. if West Brom can. And I, I, again, I didn't see the game yesterday, but I assume Toure and Silva were both missing. And I, I assume so as well. Yeah, I think Toure's yeah. out for at least two, three weeks, isn't he? Yeah. They're, they're, of course, they're a great squad and that, but there's always a couple of players that stand out big time, and that they're Manchester City's. I know a lot of people talk about company being one of their star men, and but I mean, I've never, I've never subscribed to that as much as many people do. I think it is big time on on Toure in particular, and if they're missing, mm. you know, but I might go for a surprise draw actually. Yeah, why not? I'm in the lead. I can afford to drop a point here <laughs> there. <laughs> Uh, what do you two think? Well, I I personally think that City uh, City had I believe they had Javi Garcia and Milner in the same midfield, um, which isn't a great recipe. So I think West Brom could snatch something, but I'm not sure about a win or a draw. I can't see Man City winning, is what I'm saying. Okay. You know, you see, I think that because of what happened yesterday, I think. They know that they've got to pull the socks up, so they're going to throw everything at it. And they still have better players than West Brom do. Yeah, just a... That's a bit. I'll, I'll let you pick, Laura. Go on, you, you can pick. Oh, go on then. Man City win. Man City win. I'm going to go for a Man City win as well. Sorry, Joe, what were you going to say? I was just going to say don't pick that one, but it's fine. Pick what you want, Laura, as long as it's what Joe <laughs> likes. <laughs> Right, okay, and that wraps up the predictions. Has anybody got anything else they want to add or plug? Where are you this weekend, Joe? Oh, I'm at the very glamorous tie of the Durham women against Millwall Lionesses. So when's your next proper football, then? <laughs> um, it's the start of the Women's Super League, isn't it, this week? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I've got a game up there. Um, Joe, if they want to follow you? It's at Joseph Cawthorn. Okay, Laura. Is anybody who isn't following you? I can't believe there's that many left after this week. But if anyone wants to follow you, what do they do? It's at Yistor, and that's Y I C E T O R. Okay. Any footballs fallen stuff coming through? Uh, yeah, 
got a new new piece on there. It's been the second anniversary of Pio Mario Morosini's death this week. Uh, great pay, uh, piece by Alex Stewart, if you know him and his work. Uh, put Neil's in goal. What it's about fantastic. me? What about me? What about you? Of course, yeah, Mark did us a very lovely piece uh, about Patrick Grange, who's... Um, very similar circumstances to Jeff Astle, um, but he was 29 years old when he died, and his death's been linked to um, to heading the ball as well. So go and read that because it's fabulous. And it's by Mark. And it's by Mark, who is fabulous too. <laughs> Fair enough. <Just> in the post. <laughs> <laughs> and there's still some issue threes of football pink left, is there? Uh, there certainly is, yeah. They're actually going to be on sale at Heaton Stannington versus Jarrow Roofing on Saturday. A big North East Derby non-league clash. Wow. Yeah. There you go. You've probably increased their attendance now you've done that. Um, they, they won some programme awards, so they're um, they're expecting a big crowd there because it's a centenary, not centenary, 125th anniversary or something as well, so they're going to get quite a big crowd there. So Okay, so if you, if you sell a load, Laura gets how much percent? Because she, she's in the... <laughs> We will talk, Laura. We'll talk. We'll talk. <laughs> yeah. Fair enough. Okay. And football's fallen is is at what? Sorry, on Twitter. At football's fallen. At football's fallen. Okay. Lovely. Well, that's the end of the podcast. So all that's left for me to say is uh, thank you, Mark, if you're still there. Yeah. Thanks very much. All right. Thank you, Joe. Thank you very much. Thank you, Laura. Thank you. And the Sunday show will be here with uh, Ross, Adam, Colin, and whoever else they manage to get on. They'll be talking about this week's Premier League action and looking forward to the Champions League next week. Uh, if you do like what you hear, uh, you can leave us a five-star review on iTunes. And Colin has promised he will send one of his many, many fridge magnets to you. And we're also available on SoundCloud as well. And you can also like the Man on the Post Facebook page if that's not died a death. Um, but always left me to say thank you for listening and always remember to keep your Man on the Post City was thinking and cruel. Maybe I should have called you first, but I was dying to get to you. I was dreaming while I drove the long straight road ahead. Uh huh, yeah. Could taste your sweet kisses, your arms open wide. This fever for you was just burning me up inside. You drove all night just to be with us.